Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. During my time in culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer and continued my studies in beer at grad school at NYU. Since then, I have been a beer director, beer bar general manager, and I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. Every week, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world. From brewers, importers, educators, this will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So I'm very excited to welcome uh, our guest today on the show, Alex Barth. He is the CEO of John I. Haas, um, the largest producer company of, of hops Yes? Um, yes, you can say that. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me here of on the course. show. Of course. And uh, it's a really great pleasure. Uh, John Haas is part of the Barth Haas Group, which is, in fact, the largest hop supplier in the world. Um, the John Haas part is the American part. The Barth part is the European part. Mm-hmm. I am um, part of the originally of the European part, um, being a seventh generation of the Barth family member, who gets to be in management of the business. Wow. Did you have a choice in the matter? Um, yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, my father asked us whether we want to join the business, and I said, yeah, uh, <laughs> part of the tradition. You don't want to break seven generations of tradition. No, nah, you don't want to be that guy. <laughs> but uh, it was uh, actually fascinating because um, growing up in the States, uh, going to universities in the States starting agriculture, mm-hmm. uh, we had the time, lots of land, um, growing hops and other crops. Today, we're only growing hops. Uh, we have about nearly 2,000 acres of hops, as John has, and uh, actually also expanded the Barth Haas Group into Australia, where we grow another 1,500 acres or so of hops. Uh, that is right up my alley. Wow. So Where in most of your production in the U.S. is in Washington? Is in Washington State. Washington State, yeah. So it's, it's actually been, we've actually consolidated into Washington State. We had originally the company of John I. Haas, mm-hmm. originally had hops farms um, as far south as California, even into Canada. But over the years, we consolidated in all one location in the U.S., or actually in Washington State. So I want to talk a little bit about the history of the company. So seven generations, yes, but it goes back even further, correct? So um, as a Barth family, we can actually trace back our origins back into the early 1600s. Um, oh. Although as a family in hops, we only were uh, started in 1794. And uh, it was actually, well, Germany, uh, a bit of a loose term because at the time, Germany was nothing but a bunch of... Uh, kingdoms, the kingdom of Bavaria, the kingdom of Prussia, etc. Um, and if you go back in history and look at some of the uh, commerce, it was fascinating to see how the early years of the Barth family did hops, uh, hop sales, basically putting hops on the wagon trail 
and uh, just going up north or east or so and into different kingdoms, uh, selling the goods uh, in different currencies because, again, uh, each little kingdom had its own currency, own weights, mm-hmm. um, and uh, was very difficult, actually. Wow. That's impressive. So it's grown considerably. So it is, <laughs> yes. Um, I'm actually fortunate to sit here and uh, look back at a uh, at successful multiple generations of growing the business. Uh, we since uh, begun, beyond uh, hub trading uh, got into the U.S. with um, uh, hub growing. Uh, mm-hmm. Today we also process hops. Um, we uh, even um, we store hops um, and even brew beer itself. So we've done that in the last, uh, I would say, five to ten years. Uh, invested into brewing. So because we want to understand what hops really does in beer. So when you say you start brewing, I mean, do you have like a brewery where people can go buy your beer? Is it more no, like a test? It is really a uh, very small brewery um, and totally unfit for commercial production. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a significant investment because we can actually make any beer in the world uh, in this brewery. You know uh, what? I have a business idea for you. Partner with the Cicerone organization and make beers that are true to style so that people studying beer can study those beers that are true to style. Yes, although you're, <laughs> you're now you're butting up against the um, innovations powers of the uh, craft industry. With, oh, I know. Which uh, <laughs> says, oh, great, that's a great style. Let me see what else can do with it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we're actually having lots of fun actually brewing all sorts of different styles. Mm-hmm. Using our varieties and hop products, uh, and uh, just having a taste of it. And so, actually, if you're coming to Yakima to our innovation center, where we have our administration and research and technical everything together, uh, you can see the brewery right as you enter. And uh, the fun thing is, as you go through and have a hard day's work and figure out what to do with the hops and how to serve our customers best, at the end of the day, we can just go and taste our product right there and then oh, as a matter of fact that's handy. i always like to say we we do everything from field to glass so. field to glass i like that i like yeah. that a lot uh now for those of you just tuning in i'm sitting down with alex barth he's the ceo at john i Haas. um so you said that you have expanded to australia and you just got back from australia actually um, yeah. And because you're uh embracing kind of the the uh uh, southern, southern Hemisphere hot production, which is very popular in a lot of styles today, especially the New England yes. Hazy style IPA. So we um, we actually uh, have been have an investment in Australia since thirty years now, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it's been not until I would say five ten years ago that uh, some of the varieties that we grow down there have really taken off. As a matter of fact. Uh, if I say the word galaxy, I'm hoping that nobody just picks up the phones. I can have some because it is so tight in supply and we're investing heavily to expand the farming acreage. Um, But it's been actually quite beautiful. I think Australia has one of the most beautiful growing environments. Uh, We grow on the island of Tasmania and Mm -hmm. on the mainland in the state of Victoria. So uh, we've... um, made investments now for the last several years and it's nice to see how the acreage expands uh, the machinery has been upgraded and all new machinery has been installed uh, the uh, 
the production, however, still doesn't seem to be enough because uh, styles like hazy IPAs, by the way, I just love those, mm-hmm. um, really like um, the galaxies, the enigmas, the big secrets and so forth. And uh, we're just trying to make sure that we keep the demand reasonably supplied uh, simply because um, uh, the success of these beers have even um, surprised us, not just with the Australian hops, but also with uh, hops from the US, uh, uh, branded hops like Citroen Mosaic, really loving uh, or loved in styles of uh, hazy IPAs. Yeah. So you had mentioned that the... um the area uh, in Tasmania and in Victoria and Australia was a really beautiful area oh, to gosh. grow hops. What about that land, what about that atmosphere is so ideal for these plants? So, first of all, Australia really um, has a virtually disease-free environment. There are no uh, aphids, there's no verticillium wild, there's no downy mildew. Mm-hmm. And it's really important for us to keep all these diseases out. So you really grow in a virtually disease-free environment. That's one thing from an agronomic point of view. Okay. From a visual point of view, uh, you see these valleys, the rivers, and um, so the hills that turn from green to brown, depending on the season and the rainfall. And it's just this incredibly beautiful. Uh, in the uh, in, Aust- in Tasmania, where one farm is located, uh, they're growing hops outside of Hobart in Bushy Park. Mm-hmm. And they've been growing hops there since 1865. And you see some of these old uh, wooden structures still, the wooden uh, kilns that have survived uh, uh, the multiple harvests. Uh, some burned down over the years. Others are still up there. And so you've got a confluence of uh, old, uh, no longer used buildings and new harvesting equipment at the same time. Wow. That sounds amazing. So there are a lot of a lot of uh, hop companies out there in the world right now. When let's say you're a brewer, when you're looking at the production of hops, you know if you're a brewer who really does their research, you mm-hmm. don't necessarily you're not too too focused on the variety. You're you're looking at the people that are actually producing the hops. What are some qualities that you look for in a hop producer? Well. Uh depending on if you're in the spot market or contract market. If you're in a spot market, it's simple. If the goods are there, you can uh, buy them. Uh, It is what it is, Um, no matter uh, whether it's one or the other variety. If if you have it, great. Uh, If you don't, well, then go to the next one, I suppose. Um, When you deal with uh, hop contracts, Mm -hmm. you want to be entering into a uh, deal with somebody that will be there to supply. Uh, we have one. And when you say sorry, when you say contract, this is when a brewer actually creates a relationship with the hop producer. Uh, a- it is. Uh, it is um, when you enter into a contract. It says um, we, as a company of Haas or Bar Haas, mm-hmm. we supply you um, twenty thousand pounds of variety X mm-hmm. uh, from crop nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, something like that. Uh, you basically enter this contract with the uh, expectation that the product will be delivered mm-hmm. at the uh, price and quantity that you've contracted. And then you don't want to come to harvest and find out, oh, sorry, uh, it didn't uh, produce as much. Uh, in By the way, it's in agriculture clubs, things can happen, but it's an up to the supplier to come up with uh, ideas of 
how to substitute or compensate uh, in different ways mm-hmm. uh, the shortfall. Now, uh, entering to contracts is a great thing because you have to uh, um, you have to use, assure your supply. But a brewer does always not know exactly what hops they will need in the future. I mean, with the different styles changing so fast, with the different brands quickly. Uh, coming in and out of favor, mm-hmm. what you bought as a forward crop, like say Cascade, which was the hop uh, from like 10 years ago until most recently where it was the number one hop in the country, uh, it's fallen out of favor and replaced by other varieties. So you want to deal with somebody that has some type of flexibility that would be able to work with you um, and not say, well, you ordered those 50,000 pounds of Cascades, you better take them now else mm-hmm. um, you want to be able to negotiate so that's the contracting system though okay but on the quality system you want to make sure that you have um, the ability to get the product in the quality you want to which first starts with is it true to variety so if you go and you get your pellets or even extracts mm-hmm. or raw hops whatever your desire may be uh, you want to make sure that it is truly meeting your expectation. And part of it is when you come for a selection, you can sniff and smell and rub and feel and see this is exactly my cascade or this is exactly the citra I was expecting. Um, that's the one thing. You want to make sure that it's you know, actually kind of visually pleasing, that it's not um, eaten up by all sorts of kind of little pests. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which actually happens very rarely because the industry has gotten quite good. But, you know, there's some differences here and there. Uh, you want to make sure that the hops perform in your beer the way you expect it to. Because ultimately, you can, you know, you're buying hops to make beer. You're not buying hops to look at them. You're actually looking to have a certain flavor outcome in your beer. Mm-hmm. We, in, in our company, will do some brews here and there to say, you know, does it really come out to be exactly the way we expected that uh, the flavor outcome is in beer? Because ultimately, uh, it's the flavor carrier that makes beers great. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, we'll be right back on Beer Me uh, with Alex Barth, CEO of John I. Haas. <laughs> Welcome back to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. I'm joined in studio by Alex Barth. He's the CEO of John I. Haas, um, probably the largest uh, hop company in the world. Thank you for joining us today. Um, so we were just talking about how when you are working with a hop producer, you need to make sure that the hops that they're providing you are of the quality that you want them. Mm-hmm. And by quality, you mean not affected by pests and that they're going to deliver the flavor profile and the aromas mm-hmm. that they promise that they're true to style. Right. So 
how does that happen? I wanted to talk a little bit about hop evaluations mm -hmm. and what that process actually looks like during harvest time. Are brewers coming out to the farm uh, during harvest or what, what, yeah. how does this all happen? So we have actually a lot of brewers who actually flock to Yakima. Mm -hmm. uh, people come to see... In Washington State. In Washington State, mm -hmm. right. Uh, people come to see what's new and interesting in, in, in the industry because, of course, every brewer makes something new and interesting every other month almost. Um, so people come out for hop selection. Sometimes they come out as a single representative of a brewery. Sometimes they come in flocks of 10 or 20, a little bit more of a logistical challenge at that point. But they all come, uh, and not they all, but a lot of people come and uh, do selection. So uh, it's a wonderful process. You have to imagine that we have a, several rooms dedicated for hop selection where we provide uh, hop samples of the different hops they have got contracted with us mm -hmm. and uh, let them evaluate those hops. And every brewer has their own particular methods from the background music, soft and neat, nice, to the acid rock in the background, to um, the lab coats, uh, others just uh, go and have it all. Uh, and then they go... Wait, wait, they get to choose their background music? Well, if they have their own little boombox with them, they can just play whatever they want in that room because it's only them in that room unless they want to have any representative of the company being with us at the time. So it's just them inside a room with hops? Absolutely. And the hops are in... Like, they're on the or? table. Okay. Well, no, they're, um, they're in little... Uh, sometimes they have brewer's cuts or sometimes they're in uh, tubes... Uh, mm -hmm. We've actually gone to that methodology where we put hops in uh, clear plastic tubes that you can actually see the cut all the way around. Because okay. that tells you something about the hops. So if, if the lupulin glands are dark uh, brown or bright yellow, uh, again, maybe different from, a, from one variety to the other variety. Uh, and then they go and, and rub and sniff. And the rub and sniff can have every variation that you can think of. Uh, some just empty an entire tube, rub it all up, and then just immerse their head deep into it. And some people, especially in this industry, which have mustaches and beards, mm -hmm. will come out of the room with a couple of uh, hop leaves stuck to their <laughs> 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 Yeah, I've seen that a couple of times at Craft Brewers Conference, yes. where there are different hops on display, and people really get in there, and the hops go everywhere. Oh, absolutely. They're all over the floor, they're all over the table. Yeah. So it is, it is to everyone's personal preference. Uh, mm -hmm. We let them do the way they like to do it because it's, it's their product. It's, it's what they're making their beers of. And uh, some like to take a little bit in their hands and rub them. And that um, friction and breaking of the glands really allows that aroma to escape. Uh, and, and that's what they smell. Others just take a big chunk and sort of look away as they're squeezing and rubbing only to this sort of almost like a bird uh, flying back into the pile and just sniffing it and uh, it is just fascinating wow there um, should be there should be a like a documentary or something of just how people oh and, and where they learned it uh, why no, do you do it's, it this it's way a lot of probably a lot of um, hand um, you know passed down from yeah, I suppose hand to hand yeah <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody is if somebody's new to beer, mm -hmm. right, and they're learning how to do hop evaluations, how to smell hops, 
How would you recommend they do it as a beginner? And 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 would this be uh, whole cone hops or would this be hop pellets? These would be, of course, whole cone hops. Okay. So what we do is um, we, in some cases, provide representative samples of the pellets they will be receiving. So where we have already done the selection for them, and we have a team of, of people who've actually done it for 30 years. I mean, they've rubbed so many train car loads of hops that it's, it's unbelievable. But again, uh, how to learn it? You know what? Uh, if you love beer mm-hmm. and you're looking for a certain uh, flavor outcome, let your nose be your guide. And, you know, rub it, sniff it, and then talk to others. You know, does that feel like this is true to type? And then, of course, try to sample it and put it into your beers and see and try to remember what you smelled. And actually, it's quite, quite difficult to really remember what you smelled. And that's... That's why you got to be at it. It's not something you just learn one day and, and, and uh, you're done. Yeah. It's something you want to learn over many, many years because um, smell is difficult to write down. We actually spend a lot of time on talking about the sensory part of hops. Mm-hmm. We, we have developed a language actually describing hops in the raw and the hops in beer. And even though you think there's been a language already developed, no, because there are certain terms that uh, we think are very appropriate for certain kind of hops, both in the raw hops form mm-hmm. as well as in beer itself. What Can you give me an example? Um, we actually have uh, terms developed um, which, uh, on a flavor, oh, sorry, and a flavor, flavor chart, mm-hmm. um, that actually has about 12 terms. And they have everything from citrus to sweet fruit to green fruit to vegetal, which mm-hmm. is a term. Yeah. Uh, cream camarel, woody ar- ar- um, aromatic. So these are all terms that that you can describe and then these describe very, the like, discontents. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, hops was unfortunately not as focused on as wine, but mm-hmm. uh, it's coming very very quickly. So. Um, you can actually start describing what you're smelling with these terms and then everybody knows what those terms are. We actually have um, kits that allow your nose to train yourself what is meant by citrus, what is meant by vegetal. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one way to do it. I mean, this is uh, we're still starting up with that. We've just started to develop those kits because yeah. we believe that so many brewers... Um, have a would benefit from that um, for sure and, and talking about you know what are you looking at uh, you're looking at a hops that has these sweet fruit flavors um, and uh, we can give them some um, varieties or branded hops that have those flavors yeah and that's a that's a really hard thing to articulate when you're smelling something and that's definitely a muscle that you have to exercise yeah. as far as you know, I'm smelling a beverage or I'm smelling a product and then I have to translate that. Um, and smell is so subjective. You Very know? true. There, there are certain hops that I associate with certain smells that are not necessarily by the book. You know what I mean? Right. Where it's like, okay, so for this, it's, it's going to smell like, you know, you know, for example, like galaxy hops. I know it, what is it supposed to smell like? Paya and tropical fruit and stuff like that. Um, but for me, I, I smell like... Pineapple and Laffy Taffy banana flavor, yeah. like every time. Yeah. And even though that's not the traditional way, but it helps me identify it. Right. You know, you, as you taste, as you smell, everything like that, you start to associate it with 
with what you associate it with. So when you talk, when you use these terms, mm-hmm. they mean something to you. Exactly. They don't necessarily mean something to somebody else in that very sense. Ah. So that's why we looked at can we standardize the description of hops, of hop flavors? And actually what we've realized mm-hmm. is that the North American palate or sense of smell is a little different than the European. Yeah. Um, and there's regional differences. And so for us, one of the biggest challenge was to come up with one flavor wheel or, or spider graph mm-hmm. that basically has uh, terms that could be both used on either side and actually we have still two or three differences which we couldn't come to terms with yet but it is a very very interesting but also very difficult subject subject matter and we've invested a lot of effort uh, hired flavor chemists and very expensive machinery by the way on, only to find out that the human nose is so much better than the most expensive uh, analyzer <laughs> that you can think of well, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you look at the American palate just as far as beer goes, and it wants sweeter, higher-intensity flavors or higher ABV, whereas, you know, the European styles and the European flavor tends to be, you know, lower ABV, a yeah. little more subtle flavors, a little more nuanced. Right. Um, you know, I remember specifically recently talking to a German producer and they're saying oh we made this really special strong beer it's 6.5 percent and i was like that's 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 high that's that's high (laughs) because i've got a beer over here it's a pastry style it's like 14 (laughs) percent that's exactly right and uh especially germans they love their standard beer by by the way german Mm -hmm. beer is a very good beer i enjoyed when i'm over there but uh they haven't gotten to the impactful IPAs, double IPs, or now the more, I would say, approachable but heavily hopped uh, hazy IPAs. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this is just fruit bombs that you get. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's definitely a very different kind of scale. So it makes sense that you would have to kind of come up with different yeah. scales and different descriptors. So when we take a recipe that our German colleagues put together, mm-hmm. we usually look at the hop bill and... Uh, say, well, should we double it or triple it just to get that flavor? Because um, here, especially if you go to CBC and you're showcasing certain beers and you have the proper European balanced muted flavor profile, Mm -hmm. it gets totally drawn out in all the wonderful fruity, you know, citrusy, caramel, whatever flavor you think of, beers that are on, on, on offer. And so it's actually quite fascinating as you explore the world of flavor. And, and when we started this process, I was almost ignorant to the depth and complexity of what flavor means. And I thought, you know, let's hire one flavor chemist, or we should be fine, or let's hire one brew, we should be fine. Well, we have now multiple, multiple people <laughs> working <laughs> on this subject. And we still, the, dig, the deeper you dig, the, you know, the more you know that what you don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's it's fascinating as as the flavor profile that comes out of hops, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's just given us new meaning to life almost. Yeah, and so I want to cover something real quick before we run out of any time here. Have you? So you have whole cone hops, mm-hmm. you have hop pellets, mm-hmm. um, and you have hop extract. Yes. Have you noticed the flavor morph in those different forms? 
Uh, that's kind of hard to answer. However, what we've seen uh, with raw hops and pellets, you're adding so much vegetable matter. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, with hops and pellets, you, you get the whole cones and one is just ground up, uh, that you actually get some vegetal flavors depending on how heavy you hop. Uh, you re- take the leafy matter away, you're just adding the resin essentially. You're getting more of what the essences was of that variety itself. Okay. Um, the other thing, by the way, that I want to say is uh, with the heavy hopping rates that are being employed, uh, the amount of beer loss is unbelievably high with pellets. So we actually see, you know, we love pellets, mm-hmm. but we also see great um, uh, futures in resinous products, which basically give you the flavor, very clean flavors, without the beer loss. And when you say res- the hop The extract. hop resins. I mean, oh, okay. ultimately, a lot of people talk about hops and, you know, what's the alpha content? Well, it's just one component of the resin. Mm-hmm. And the resin's got alpha, beta, oils, waxes, and so forth. And alpha is just an, almost an indicator today now how much resin there is. So uh, there's there shouldn't be too much of a difference mm-hmm. um, with the exception of the uh, flavor coming from the leafy matter. And people like that yeah. or they don't. I mean, there's no right or wrong here. Um, but uh, one clear advantage is if you don't have a... Uh, resin. Uh, if you only have a resinous product, mm-hmm. you're not having a beer loss. And that makes a big difference. Sometimes 20-30% of beer gets lost. Wow. I had no idea. It's That's expensive. That's very expensive. So you can, with, with these resinous products, you can actually hop a lot more. <laughs> which people like have done. transport and storage yes. is also less. Yes, yes. Um, and shelf life? Shelf life, um, probably as well. Okay. Uh, even though once you put pellets into the evacuated foils and sealed and in cold storage, they actually last quite well. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much. And now I have to ask, is there a particular beer that is your favorite? Um, I want to not say one particular beer because Mm -hmm. um, the most favorite beers, of course, that I drink of the customers in (laughs) front of the customer. Yeah, smart, smart. Um, But uh, I just enjoy the hazy IPAs. Mm -hmm. They have such an approachable, soft flavor, but such a tremendous flavor that it's just a joy to drink. I mean, you open one one of these beers, whether it's a bottle or a can, all of a sudden you just smell, oh, I'm in a hop field right now. (laughs) Um, And uh, they just go down so smooth and uh, you know in a way I, you, you can accuse me of being a bias to my own business you should be but I actually love these hub delivery units because they usually about uh, three to six pounds a barrel whereas the world's average is about 0.1.2 pounds per barrel oh my gosh All it's right. a factor that's huge yeah so it's great for business absolutely <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh, Alex, thank you so much for coming in uh, and joining us today on Beer Me. You're welcome. Uh, Check out the show anywhere you get podcasts. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, you can reach me at Beer Me Radio on Instagram or beermeradio at gmail.com. Next week, 
Uh, Beer Me will be covering Craft Brewers Conference in Denver, Colorado, so we'll make sure to get plenty of good coverage for all of you listeners. Otherwise, we'll see you the week after. Cheers.